Hey everybody, this is Alex. Hey, it's Natasha. And we are here to talk just for a second about Extra Crunch TechCrunch's subscription product. Extra Crunch is where a lot of our best analysis and follow-up stories lives. We focus a lot on startups, building, and even poke fun here and there. It's true. I also write a daily column called The Exchange that's over on Extra Crunch. And the good news is, if you don't have EC access yet, we have a deal for you. Yes, you can use, I think, the best code there is. So don't tell anyone who doesn't listen to Equity because they're not invited. The code is equity, all caps, for 50% off your Extra Crunch subscription. So head over to techcrunch.com slash subscribe. Use that code. Make us look good internally. We say thanks across the internet. And now let's do a show. Hello and welcome back to Equity, TechCrunch's venture capital-focused podcast where we unpack the numbers behind the headlines. My name is Alex Wilhelm and this is our Wednesday show when we niche down to a single topic. Today we are going to talk about talking, Natasha. We're going to talk all about the podcasting and audio worlds. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. It took this podcast for me to fall in love with podcasts, but here I am and we're ready for it. She's a convert. We also have Danny Crichton with us today. Danny, are you excited about the podcasting world today? I, I think meta talking is extremely exciting, and I'm blasted to be here. Good. Uh, bla- no, no, you're excited to be here. You don't want to be blasted on the show. We we have a rule: no being blasted on the show. You have to arrive <laughs> in reasonable levels of sobriety. So that's all. That's all our attempt at a at an on ramp to today's topic, which is audio. We are riffing today on a couple of different things. One is the clubhousification of the internet and a discussion about how live audio rooms are taking over a platform near you. We are also going to talk about podcast news. There has been a plethora of announcements in the podcast space. We are seeing, maybe to some degree, the end of the indie era of podcasting and the rising corporatization of everyone's favorite friendly neighborhood media source. And we have some startup news throughout all of this as well. And we're going to wrap up by torturing Danny to get the VC's perspective on where there might be a good bet to make in the uh, audio startup space. So with that, uh, a little bit of grounding. As everyone recalls, there was a big deal between Discord and Microsoft that didn't happen. It was rumored to be in the 10 to $12 billion range, which I think kind of says how much interest there is between large corporate players and startups in getting audio right. Obviously, audio has been one of the big revolutions in the last couple of years. You've seen with podcasts, a huge surfeit, both of the number of podcasts, but also of listenership. According to the recent statistics of 2021 from Edison Research, a third of Americans listen to podcasts once a month. There were more than three quarters of a million podcasts active. And more importantly, like podcast listeners are rich. And that's particularly important given that it's a very ad-driven market. On top of that, you have the rise of smart speakers. Put in your head that like a couple of years ago, the idea of a smart speaker at home was basically non-existent. Today, depending on the exact statistics you look at, a majority of houses today have smart speakers available that can play music, that can play podcasts, all at voice command. It's a huge debate in the masquerade household, actually, just the idea of a smart speaker. So not so I'm the example of one who has not yet adopted it. It's debating whether it's smart or not or or <laughs> or whether we trust it or not. Like we will give our information for everything else, but for some reason smart speakers and our family are just like, that's where we draw the line. <laughs> no, this is the, this is actually a legitimate issue because my, my father-in-law buys electronics in bulk. And so he'll buy like six <laughs> Google Homes at a time and put them around. And so any house that he's in is essentially like an Alexa Google landmine. 
And my spouse oh, no. is vehemently opposed to this. So in our house, we, we had to buy the dumb Sonos that didn't have Alexa built in. So in our house, you can shout Alexa all you want. No one will come. But around her dad, essentially, if you say Alexa, the whole house goes, hello. And it's not. Dumb speakers. Oh, yeah, my God. That's dumb speakers amazing. For the I did have a point, though, that was on topic, Danny. And I was just going to add that I think the pandemic also kind of gave this refresh to audio. I think everyone always knew podcasts were a huge deal. But with the pandemic forcing everyone to stay at home and tired of seeing their faces on Zoom, I feel like audio is this nice, like low commitment way to feel like you are hearing things from people other than your roommates or partners. <laughs> well, and not just audio, but but live audio, right? This, this club, yes. of, you know, houseification of the entire world. So Clubhouse, you know, is only what, a year old, roughly? Oh, gosh, it actually yes, rose just with the pandemic. Also now a multi-billion dollar unicorn. But now the rest of the tech world is following along. And Natasha, Facebook, a bunch of other companies, but Facebook in particular is going all out on audio, much as they go out on anything that moves that actually has any social success whatsoever. But what are they working on these days? Yeah. So last week, news came out that their investment in audio is taking the form of this feature called Soundbites, which I think is really interesting. It's kind of like TikTok, but for audio clips. I think with live audio, the discovery of it has always been so broken. So I'm actually like proud of Facebook's ambition in this new feature. Also, of course, it's not just the fact that they're going to make it easier to search through live audio, but they're also creating a Clubhouse clone. So you see like it kind of creating that full experience as one of the many features in Facebook. That Clubhouse clone is built into the is it the groups feature of Facebook. So I haven't used Facebook in like four or five years, so I'm falling behind a little bit on what's over there. But it sounds like if you have a group on Facebook, you can set up your own Clubhouse for that group, which, you know, honestly... For all the QAnon fans out there, it's a pretty big deal. You know, now you can have your own radio show on the Facebook platform. So you can miss you can spread misinformation in kind of a multimodal way on the big blue app. Sorry, <laughs> no, I totally. just couldn't I couldn't I couldn't resist going there. Well, well <laughs> and, and, and obviously, you know, news and talk is a huge part of it, but also is music. So one thing that they're dubbing Project Boombox, which is a very original name going on there, but Facebook has announced a Spotify partnership to allow users to share music through podcasts, lives, you can talk about them, have them in the background. It reminds me a little bit of the early days of Musical.ly. You know, the ability to create dance routines, videos, incorporate licensed audio in the context of a room. It's still a pretty hard challenge. And I think that Facebook has nailed that. But Alex, it's not just Facebook that's going all out. It's Reddit, which to me is like the most anti-audio platform that ever existed. Okay, so look, we love to take pot shots at Facebook because why not? But I actually am relatively bullish about their use of groups as a way to build out an audio feature because they're not trying to make like Facebook the place you go to for, I'm just going to go listen to some stuff, but it's more like, here's a group, right? You guys are already in discussion. Here's your audio platform. And that's why in the case of Reddit, Danny, to your point, I'm actually, again, somewhat bullish because what Reddit has done, in, in my humble view, there is a lot of issues with Reddit as a platform, historically, currently, et cetera, but it has built an amazing group of small communities or small, even actually large communities, but but very insular, tight-knit communities. The Formula One subreddit, Hip Hop Heads, is pretty fantastic. There's a great progressive metal subreddit. There's both Stop Drinking and Crippling Alcoholism. So you got the whole spectrum on Reddit, and it's a total blast. And so what Reddit is doing is letting people who moderate subreddits, they're kind of individual groups, run their own clubhouses. I would use this. If there was like an F1 clubhouse after the race, for sure, on Reddit, I, I would tune into that. And like you know, I don't even use clubhouse that much, but... Uh, to me, this is just brilliant. And I think this a huge part of the live audio experience is 
as a creator, I would want to go to the place where I know my listeners are already having their information diet consistently. Like I'm just so up and down with my clubhouse usage. It'll be one good experience. I'll be on it for a week and then I'll forget about it. Like that's what I think the hugest thing that Clubhouse is missing right now. And one of my favorite things, Danny, that you ever said on this podcast is that Clubhouse will create billions in value and capture none of it. It's, it's, I think that's like the well, truest thing. I, and we're seeing this, right? Like all the big tech companies are now going after, you know, this space. Reddit, which I think is going to rebrand as Listen to It, <laughs> given its audio focus, because you can't really oh, read it. No! Reddit talk. <laughs> Neat. Everyone, that's why I'm a branding expert here. That's why no one allows me to touch the font colors on TechCrunch.com. But, but I do think, Natasha, you're absolutely right. Having the community, being where the community is, if that's on Discord, you want to have the audio in Discord. If it's on Clubhouse, go ahead and do it on Clubhouse. If it's on Reddit and you already have 100,000 folks all congregated around the single subject, why reinvent the wheel? Why not have the audio where the people already are? We're seeing this trend, not just amongst what you might think of as like the major platform companies and then Clubhouse, the famous startup, but also amongst smaller startups as well. So Peanut, a kind of mobile social network for women that I think we've all heard of by now. We talked about it on the show a couple of times. Natasha, they're also building out live audio rooms. Yeah, this news literally just happened. And Alex, as you said, it's kind of this social networking app with a focus on motherhood. It has, I think, about 2 million users. And it's now okay. launching pods as a place for those who identify as women to talk to each other. And I think a really big thing that's different about Peanut that they talk about in the story is that you aren't going on there for the same reason you go on Clubhouse. And like even literally the intent of opening a room being so different, I think is enough of a differentiation with audio, which is like why there can be like 16 million tech podcasts. But us three make sense. <laughs> context, I mean, this is what's so important to product, right? Is like when you click on the icon in your app and it opens up, you're expecting a certain experience, right? And so I, I, even though all these are the same audio, it's all live audio features being added to all these different apps, like what live audio means in TikTok versus Instagram versus Discord, Reddit, Peanut, it is going to feel different. Why you're logging in is going to be different. I think it shouldn't be like remiss that like these are not fungible, right? You cannot just put a Facebook talk into a Peanut talk or vice versa and expect the same experience. It's, it's an NFT, a non-fungible talk. <laughs> I wanted to say one more thing about Peanut before Denny oh, grabs the baton and moves on to some Clubhouse numbers. But do you remember the wing, which was that yeah. uh, yes. women-focused IRL social network, essentially? What's IRL? It, it means meat space out there where people can touch you. It's, it's, it's I not, haven't seen meat space in 14 months. I know. We've been inside. <laughs> we've been inside a lot. But the wing was super cool and it was popular for a reason because it created a special place for people to go to where they felt safe. They had the right community vibe and mix, you know? And to me, like what Peanut's doing here is, is saying, cool, let's niche this down to just this core group. And I, I think it's going to be successful. You know, I, I, I think this is a great idea. And now we can move on to Clubhouse Download Numbers. Wait, can I make one small point? Yes, you can. One more peanut. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, one more peanut. Ah, the peanut gallery is speaking. That's Ayo. my third joke. It's a show. Um, but I was going to say the same way the wing kind of ended and has struggled with toxicity and especially with like white women toxicity and has to kind of moderate IRL. I imagine peanut will have to do the same stuff. And one statistic that kind of came up when we were doing research was that a majority of podcast listeners, people who participate in audio are white. I think 73% in 2008 and it's now 63%. So it still kind of looks the same. And so I would love to see these niche groups get even nicher and more specific and more diverse in how they approach it. Uh, but Danny, now, please take us into the numerical part of the show. Clubhouse, obviously, you know, stratospheric highs, 
Now, stratospheric lows. Downloads last month down 72% based on numbers from Sensor Tower. I don't think they've launched on Android still. Still invite only. New users hard to get on board. Now, it's important to remember that downloads does not equal usage. We don't know usage as well as downloads. In many ways, it probably has found its natural audience and needs to push into kind of new groups in order to continue growing. This week, they are going to try to do that with sports fans. What's going on with Clubhouse and NFL? Clubhouse is partnering with the NFL for draft week programming. And the reason why we're bringing this up on the pod today is because it's a bit of a product announcement, so it's not usually the thing we focus on. But we think about this as a way that Clubhouse is going to be a bit more of a publisher, perhaps, than just a platform. Because if you really want to engender, I don't know, like loyalty to Spotify, for example, or loyalty to a different platform in the audio world, having exclusive content is a great way to do it. And we've seen a lot of acquisitions in the podcast space, I think, predicated on this idea. And so here, you know, Clubhouse is going to bring in kind of draft themed rooms starting, I think, Monday of next week. If I have my NFL chronology correct in my head, uh, go Eagles, by the way, boo Cowboys. I, I think this is smart. It doesn't scale. You can't probably scale Clubhouse long term this way, but I think it's going to be a way to ensure they stay at the front of the conversation in the audio world and they have a lot of capital. And when you have a lot of money, you can do things. And partnering with the NFL, I presume, is not cheap, is my guess, either in time or money. And so uh, it's going to be fun to see how this plays out. But fundamentally, I mean, like, I think what Clubhouse knows is that it had a lot of early hype because people would be like, oh, I was on Clubhouse and E40 showed up, you know? And everyone's like, that's yeah. the coolest thing I've ever heard. I have to go check this out. Though to Danny's point earlier, I'm amazed it's still invite only. I'm amazed it's not out on Android yet. To me, they're they're seeding large chunks of the market to competitors by pushing faux exclusivity a little bit too far. And especially with this in the NFL, because what's more American and mainstream than football? One of the things that's interesting is just to see the alacrity by which competitors go after these companies. I mean, the reality is Clubhouse would normally in a different era have two or three years to figure out what its life is going to be like post-exclusivity. Today, you know, it gets a couple months and then there are 20 large funded competitors who all do the exact same thing. So, you know, you can't operate at the same speed as a feature. And, you know, to me, like this is where I think peanut makes a lot more sense because, you know, you have a much more focused audience. It's very clear what it's used for. Facebook can't compete for that same audience in the same way. But Clubhouse's general purpose, it's open-ended. It's everything under the sun. And that means every other general social platform can compete directly as well. On the velocity point is very interesting. And I think this is why we're seeing companies raise more money more quickly, because I think Clubhouse discovered they had hit on something that was a live wire in the American kind of consumer mind. And so if you're one of their backers, say Andreessen, for example, you know, you can hear the stampede of Facebook and Reddit and Discord and the major platform players chasing that same high. And so what do you do? Well, you take a bunch of money and you pour it on the company and you say, Go as fast as you can. Try to hold on to this space because either you'll build a company that will last forever or you're going to build something that someone wants to buy. A bit like Microsoft and Discord almost pulled off. So to me, like actually Danny's point about being chased helps understand the modern venture market. You can build things faster. You will be cloned more quickly. And so you probably want more capital now to hold on to any advantage that we have. But let's put aside the live audio. Let's talk about recorded audio, uh, the very medium through which I'm currently saying hello to you, by the way. Hi. Podcasts. Podcasts are this amazing thing that keeps not dying and has now reached, I, I would say, mainstream acceptance in many countries around the world. And we are seeing more acquisitions in the space, as we'll talk about in a second. And then critically, also paid podcasts from 
Apple and Spotify, they're working on this space. I can confirm that paid equity is not coming. It's always going to be free. So don't worry about that. This is not a, not a hint. Just subscribe to Extra Crunch. Danny, can you talk us a little bit about uh, Apple Podcasts and what, what they're up to with the paid side of things? Yeah. So we found out last week uh, in Apple's big announcement day on top of IMAX that they are going to introduce premium subscriptions into the Apple Podcast app. So Apple was sort of the original generator of the open directory of podcasts. Its podcast apps has traditionally been among the most popular, although it's lost some market share to Spotify and others down from 34% in 2018 to 24% in 2021. But nonetheless, they're going to launch essentially a means to paying creators. So in year one, Apple will take 30%, which is in line with its in-app purchase model. And then in year two, it'll reduce that to 15% for recurring subscriptions. So 170 countries, it's a big deal. And for a lot of podcasts, creators who rely on Apple as their distribution mechanism, this is a nice way to avoid kind of the ad network that most podcasts are supported by today. And just as a data point, I just pulled up equities numbers. And between Apple Podcasts and iTunes, 75% of equities historical downloads have come from those two places. Now, that doesn't count streaming on Spotify and so forth, but like that should tell you how enormous Apple's place is. But Natasha, Apple's going to take 30% cut in year one because that's the number Apple's decided it's deserved uh, in all products. <laughs> and that'll drop to 15% in year two. But Spotify taking a little bit more of a relaxed approach to monetization and what they're going to take. So creators through Spotify will keep 100% of the revenue. And then spring 2023, Spotify said that it's going to do a 5% fee for access to the tool that creators need to charge stuff. And to me, this is exciting because I actually didn't realize that those affiliation links and kind of like sponsorships that a lot of podcast hosts do tout in the beginnings of shows, in the middle of shows, at end of shows, like is just not a sustainable way to make money at all. So I think a lot more people are going to come to this. So my question was, how are they going to afford this? Because, you know, Spotify still loses money and they have been trying via, you know, buying stuff like the Joe Rogan podcast to make themselves more sticky. But like, you know, this seemed almost polite to the point that they were not taking enough of a cut of the revenue, which, you know, it's a position I've never had before. But if you think <laughs> about the other Spotify news that's come out recently, this week, Spotify announced that they're going to be raising prices in a number of markets. Now, not by much, you know, for example, in the UK, Spotify students going to go from £4.99 to £5.99. And in the US, there'll be an extra dollar cost on the, the family plan. But you can see Spotify begin to increase its overall ARPU. And that should, I think, make it possible for them to charge less on the podcast front while also poking Apple in the eye in front of Congress because they can show that this is, you know, you can charge less than Apple's 30% cut, which is ridiculous. Danny? I think it's interesting because obviously Spotify's business model is getting more people on the stream. Uh, to me, what's, what's you know, you see this exactly with Clubhouse, you see this with all the different social networks. It's about premium content and exclusive content. You're going to pay for Spotify to have access to exclusive hosts. You're going to pay to Spotify because your favorite community is on Spotify. And so what will get interesting here is obviously it's a platform that's opened up to everyone. Spotify is very popular, so it will be a default for many folks. I think long term, the question is, is how many deals do they sign to bring on gamer communities, sports communities, you know, fashion communities, pick all the different discussion bubbles that happen around the web. Like how much does Spotify want to own those categories versus say Reddit, which may not do a lot of sponsored categories in order to get folks on board? I, I don't know. But like just listening to you talk, Spotify really is my audio OS when I think about Same. it. Like aside from Sonos the Sonos app on my phone, really Spotify is the only place I go to day to day on my phone and computer for, for audio. So to me, 
just because I'm lazy, I want it to be centralized and kind of have everything live in one place. Although, again, in some circumstances like Reddit, I think that would be fine for me. But like, I don't want to have to, oh, is that on Discord or Clubhouse? You know, because I'm already on Spotify so much. I, I, I wonder how much they can leverage that and win. And, and this brings me to a question that I have for, for both of you, which is how much space is there going to be left for startups? Because we both think, we all think Peanut is smart. We all think Clubhouse mm-hmm. did something right. But, you know, in, in, a, in a year or two, do startups end up just absorbed into the uh, major platforms in the podcast and live audio space, or are there going to be some breakout winners that stand the test of time and, you know, exist as standalone companies? I don't know. I'm thinking like, if I was a founder, what kind of company would I try, like bet to create? And if I was a founder, I think I would create like an analytics platform for audio. I would not try and compete <laughs> right now. I feel like being in like the complementary space just is so much more like insurance proof. And that's probably why I'm not a founder because I'm not going to take moonshots like that. But I think that is something that I'm like, I keep thinking about at this point. It's just hard to add. I think there was 33 competitors last time I checked. So one last little note uh, about what indies are doing and what this might look like. So there's a podcast network called Twit This Week in Tech. And I've been on Twit shows off and on for, oh God, since before I quit drinking. So six, seven years now. And they have always had a pretty robust ad supported podcast network and it's done well frankly but you know the world has changed and i bet 2020 wasn't the easiest thing on them because ad revenue as we all know last year did take a gosh two three quarter dive and so twit recently rolled out kind of a a subscription model that you cannot subscribe to twit for like seven bucks a month or something and then there's just no ads on your shows and so all that annoying podcasty ad you know, throat clear and you have to kind of endure or just fast forward through, let's be honest, will go away. And I'm very curious to see how this experiment works out for them because Twit has always been this strange little island in the podcast world, you know, apart from uh, major networks available everywhere for free ad supported and it worked. So I'm curious to see how this plays out, if it's possible to still be indie. I'll add to, I think like the way in which people want to pay in this moment is very specific to like this creator economy, passion economy, want to support and give people all of our money. Like the same thing we saw with Clubhouse doing, we're going to do a tip jar and give 100% indefinitely. We're seeing Spotify do that for the next few years. And we're seeing podcast hosts have the audacity to even ask in the first place. And I love seeing that. I think like they want to take advantage of the fact that people are like very pro individual at the moment. It's interesting to see this in the enterprise tech world. You know, you have these like central infrastructure, you know, mainframes. And then we went to like decentralized, bring your own device. And now we're back to like the cloud world. In media, I think we're seeing the same thing. We had these big legacy media brands where you you bought the brand. Now we're in this sort of creator economy, you buy the individual. And I think the next generation is already starting to happen up, which is you're going to see networks of creators come together around specific topics. You buy a pass into that whole like network of groups. And to me, that's the last piece. If you're interested in tech, you get a networking group of, of tech journalists, podcasts, ephemera media. Um, there's a way to distribute that. We've actually seen deals in that category, but yeah. I think that's the end of this show. Well, We've no, now actually, audioed ourselves to fucking death. We, uh, we have to say one more <laughs> thing about that, Danny. Like, if, for example, if you had a, a bunch of individual writers like all doing Substacks, you could actually put them together into one group, call it a weblog, perhaps, uh, and then you could put that on the internet and it might, it might stand the test of time. All we're talking about in some, de- in some hilarious degree here is just unbundling and rebundling uh, of things. But fundamentally... It turns out that audio in the age of video is not dead. And so I guess video didn't kill the podcast star or whatever the fuck. Uh, But Danny's right. We are out of time. We have to go away. We are back Friday morning with our news roundup as always. And next Wednesday, we have a couple of guests on the show that are going to be pretty darn exciting. So make sure to tune in. But in the meantime, thanks for listening to our audio experience. Goodbye. Goodbye.